Hello and welcome to the Body Resilient Mum podcast. I'm your host, Louise Hurley, and I am here to elevate your body image one conversation at a time. Most of us have grown up believing that a thinner, smoother, tighter body and face is better. And if we have these things, then we have succeeded and we'll live happily ever after. When we've been surrounded by this message all of our lives, in some form or other, we tend not to question it. It's just the way of the world. But have you ever stopped to wonder whether these standards that we've been holding ourselves to are even possible to achieve? And if we do try to match these standards, like losing weight or trying to remain wrinkle and dimple free, is it actually healthy? As mums, we feel under so much pressure to succeed in all areas of life, including trying not to look like we've grown and birthed a tiny human. This podcast will encourage you to challenge your long-term beliefs about what your body should look like and help you to move from a place of conflict with your body to a place of peace and acceptance. In this episode, I will be answering all of the questions that I've collated over the past four weeks. These are with either people I work with um, through the Body Resilient Mum Project or Strong Mums or mums who I, I hang out with, like my friends. Um, I've asked them about the questions that they have about body image and what they would also like help with. So hopefully some of these questions are maybe on your radar too. And I'm really hoping that my answers will be very much of help and of use to you too. So let's just dive in with this one. The first question is from somebody who I work with through the Body Resilient Mum Project. We've been working on body acceptance and her question is, I'm now a bigger size than I was pre-babies and although I'm trying to accept this, I still think that I looked better being a smaller size. How can I change my mindset around this? Oh, this is such a good question. And I guess the very short and the very blunt answer is, I can't change your mind on what you like, what you find more appealing or what you find more attractive. Like I can't hop inside your head and rewire some things. How awesome would that be if we could do that? Um, but I can't. But what I can try to change is the questions that you ask yourself. And one of those questions is, why do I think that a smaller body looks better? I want you to really, really think about this and dig deep. And then when you come up with an answer, you ask yourself why again, and you keep asking yourself why every time you come up with an answer. What standards are you holding yourself against when you feel that you don't look good enough now? Now, my guess is that like 99.9% .9 of us, you've grown up surrounded by the message that thin is healthy, that thin means beautiful, and that thin is something to strive for. Also remember that most of us change in shape and, and size as we get older. A lot of us will be, either our hips change or maybe we put on more weight. We generally hold more body fat as we reach menopause. And so our body changes as we get older. And a smaller body is generally associated with youth. And that I think is something that our society seems to be completely obsessed with. Now, younger isn't better than being older and vice versa. And in the same way, a smaller body is not always better than a bigger body. So if you're asking yourself, why do I think this? You know, why do I think that a smaller body looks better? I mean, think about that way. We've been brought up to think that younger is better, that thinner is better, and it has just been drilled into us. So is it no wonder now that you think that a smaller body looks better? I can't say that you're wrong, there's no right or wrong way of thinking, but there's definitely a helpful and a less helpful way of thinking about your body now, comparing it to pre-babies or comparing it to 10 years ago. 
Now, if you feel that you can move easier in a smaller body or that your physical health is better in a smaller body, and by that I mean blood pressure is lower, cardiovascular health is better, your cholesterol is lower, you've got fewer aches and pains, then that's a little bit different and you might want to think about making some changes. However, my advice would be to train and to eat with a goal of improving these health outcomes, not with a goal to shrink the size of your body or reduce your body weight. Because if those things need to happen, if you do need to lose weight, then it'll probably happen as a byproduct of improving those health outcomes that I just mentioned. Now, aside from telling you that you need to keep asking yourself the why question when digging deep on why you prefer a body that's smaller, here are some practical tips to help you feel more comfortable in the size that you're in and to, to help you accept your body as it is now. Okay, number one, buy clothes that fit and feel comfortable. You know what? Nobody knows what number is on the tag of your clothes. Nobody except for you knows what size you've bought. And you know what? You can buy two different garments in the same size from the same shop and one will fit and the other one won't. Sizing is just meaningless sometimes. And to buy clothes that you think that you should fit into will often just lead to feeling disappointment and probably feeling really uncomfortable. Buy and wear the size that feels good on you, you know, feels comfortable, physically feels comfortable on you, doesn't dig into your tummy or doesn't ride up your bum when you sit down. Wear the size that feels good and you feel confident in rather than the size that you feel you should try to squeeze into. Number two, just cut the blooming tag off the clothes. <laughs> if you, if getting the clothes out of the wardrobe in the morning disappoints you because you see a bigger number on the size tag, cut the tag out. Like I've just said, size means nothing. And if it's a simple case of a number, just making you feel a little bit shitty and a little bit down, then cut that tag out. Number three, if you've got clothes that are hanging up in your wardrobe that no longer fit you, and you tend to pull them out every now and then to reminisce, but it leaves you feeling ashamed and unhappy about not fitting into them, then either put them into storage where you're not going to see them, if you really can't bear to get rid of them, or if you're happy to donate them, then donate them to an op shop. But you don't need to keep them in your wardrobe because it's not serving you. It's not making you feel good. There's no point. So what can we do next? We could practice some gratitude therapy. I know it sounds so simple, but I really love gratitude therapy because it can help to ground us and put things into perspective. So what are you grateful for that your body does? What does it does? Does it enable you to hug your children? Does it enable you to lift them up and scoop them up easily? What are you grateful for that your body does? Not how it looks, not the material things that you have. What does your body do? And how does that make you grateful? You could also write down what your body does now that it couldn't do when it was in a smaller size. And if you can't think of anything, you know, if nothing comes to mind, then is there something that you want to achieve now that you've always wanted to do, that you couldn't do before and you still can't do now? Setting these goals and achieving them without relying on changing the way that you look. So we don't want, we don't want a goal of, I want to lose 10 kilos. That's, that's not a goal that is going to help your body image, but setting a goal and achieving them without relying on changing the way that you look or your weight can be a really powerful thing for you to do in improving your body image. The next question is from someone who trains at Strong Moms and she asked, my daughter sees me putting on makeup and asks why I do it. What do I tell her? Oh, it's such a good question because I actually really struggle with this one too. Um, 
Personally, what I try to avoid telling my children, and by the way, there is no right or wrong answer. I'm not saying that I know everything, but here is what I do and here is the reason why. And hopefully this will help you too. What I try to avoid is telling them that it's to make me look better. So it's to improve the natural look of my face. I don't want them to know that getting older is something to try and reverse. I want them to know that getting older is, and looking your age, looking older is something completely normal and natural and shouldn't be something that we keep fighting. That's something that our society, I think, is very obsessed with, is not looking as old as you actually are, which seems ridiculous to me because how lucky are we that we've actually lived long enough to, to be that old. It's really sad that I know people who haven't lived to the age that I currently am now. And what would, what would they give to, to still be here? I guarantee that they wouldn't be bothered about their wrinkles. Oh, this is, <laughs> this is actually quite hard. They wouldn't be bothered about their wrinkles, that they'd give anything to have those wrinkles and to keep growing older rather than trying to hide it. Oh, okay. I think I've got it together now. <laughs> um, but we tend to overlook that and our society is very much focused on trying to reverse those signs that, that we've lived a life, trying to reverse those signs of aging and it's seen as a very negative thing to look the age that you are. And we're always striving to look younger. So what I don't want is my children to grow up thinking that aging is a bad thing, that aging is something to hide and that they need to start doing things like wearing makeup to, to make them not look as old as they are. And then there's the whole self-improvement thing. I want them to know that they are just as worthy wearing whatever they want to wear, clothes, makeup, accessories, whatever it is, as without them. I don't want them to think that they need to wear makeup to be taken seriously, that they need to wear makeup to, um, to be accepted in a group. When I was growing up, I very much felt that way. I literally would not go anywhere without my makeup bag with me in case my makeup would smudge and I'd need to fix it, or God forbid someone would see my freckles, or that I didn't quite look right, or that um, couldn't see my eyelashes anymore because I've got quite light eyelashes and eyebrows. And God forbid, you know, my mascara would wear off and you wouldn't see my eyelashes anymore. I just felt when I was younger, and this was like a teenager and early, um, early 20s, that, that I was worth so much more when my face looked a certain way. And I felt that I couldn't, I had to keep this standard up, that I always had to look as beautiful as I did with makeup, which is a ridiculous standard to hold myself to. And at the time, I didn't really see that it was a problem. It's like only looking back now, I'm like, wow, like I really needed to get over myself and stop focusing on the way that I looked. I really wish I'd have focused more on what I could achieve and spent so much more of my mental energy on other things. I think I was so preoccupied by the way that I looked, I probably missed out on quite a lot of stuff. So when I was younger, I was very self-conscious about my face and I don't want my children to grow up thinking that their face does not look good enough and that they need makeup to look better. So I try to avoid telling them that I do it to look better. I tell them that I do it because 
I want to, it's an expression of how I'm feeling. Maybe sometimes I might wear more makeup because I'm feeling like I want to, like you pull out a bright colored top if you're feeling happy. Um, maybe, you know, that's just the mood you're in today. That's the, the clothes, the outfit that you want to wear. Similar with makeup, it's an expression of how you're feeling. Um, and I love my face just as much. So this is what I try to tell them. I love my face just as much when I'm wearing makeup as I do without wearing it. And that's what I want to instill in them that it's okay to wear makeup if they really want to. It's also okay not to wear makeup. Whatever they choose to do, they are just as worthy with or without it. I think by this point, they've probably lost interest and they've already wandered, wandered out of the bathroom, taken their toothbrush with them. <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, mum. But it's one of those messages that I'm gonna keep drilling into them. What I also want to do is avoid saying, but you don't need it yet. So if they're asking to wear makeup, I'm saying, I'm not going to say you don't need it yet because that implies that at some point when you get older, you don't look good enough anymore and you need makeup. So there's never a need for this makeup. I want them to know that it's just an expression of how they're feeling and if they want to put it on the face on their face, they can. And if they don't, then they don't. So I feel like that was maybe a bit of a fluffy answer, but I kept, I keep coming back to making sure I do not tell them that I need it to change the way that I look. Even though makeup does change the way that you look, that's not, that's not what I need it for, that I don't need the makeup. I hope there's an answer in there somewhere for you. And I hope it's given you something to think about. Please, please do not think that anything that you're doing is, is wrong. This is purely my opinion and this is what I try to do. And I hope that it's just inspired you. My intention is not to, not to say that your style of parenting is wrong, that my style is right. That is not it. Um, but that is how I approach this with my children. Okay, the next question is, I'm feeling anxious already about Christmas with extended family. My mum and her sister usually make a comment about what I'm eating and will probably go on and on about the diet I should join them on after Christmas. Do you have any advice on how to manage these conversations? Such a good question and a very, very common situation. Oh, in lesson six, lesson six of the Body Resilient Mum Project, I go through some helpful things that you can do in situations such as this. Not necessarily Christmas, um, not necessarily family, but with people who are close to you. Now on social media, we can unfollow people, we can turn off social media, we can block people. You know, there's things that you can do to not see people's content. However, in real life, you can't block people when you're talking to them mid-sentence. You can't just disengage. I mean, sometimes you can, maybe, if you're not bothered about being friends with them again or, or you're hurting people's feelings. But most of us feel like we can't just shut someone down. So here are some things that you can do to either change the conversation or stop the conversation altogether. Now, if it's family or friends that you feel comfortable with, that you feel that you can open up to, show a bit of vulnerability and be honest with them, then you can tell them what you're working on. Most people won't even realize that you're doing this, perhaps. Most people won't even, it won't even be on people's radar that it's something that maybe they should think about improving as well. This is body image that I'm talking about. Um, so if you feel that you're able to, be honest with them say, you know what, I'm actually really focusing on working on my body image at the moment. Talking about 
what I'm eating, talking about how much I'm eating, talking about weight loss and diet isn't helpful for my body image. I'm doing my own thing, it's going really well. Please, could we not talk about this? It would be really helpful for me right now and helpful for my mental health. Something like that. If you feel comfortable doing that, I think that's a really, really useful tool to have. You could practice it first. You could make points on your phone just to kind of refresh your mind because sometimes these conversations can be quite emotionally driven. And when we're emotional, we tend not to get the words out that we wanted to get out. So just having it written down or to practice it um, can be really, really helpful. Another thing you can do is just try to steer the conversation away. So if you don't feel that you can be open enough or that you don't want to be that honest with people, um, because it's not always easy being that honest with family. Just because people are family doesn't mean that we're always close. Um, so what you could do is have a practice at steering the conversation away. Maybe just try to change the subject. You could do it subtly. You could do it very unsubtly um, and just keep doing that every time that the conversation comes back around to, you know, like diets or what you're eating. Just change the conversation and make it happy, make it engaging. It doesn't have to be hostile, doesn't have to be rude. You could just bring something up completely. Again, if you feel that you're going to get flustered and find this really difficult, prepare, have some things prepared that are in the notes on your phone or have a think first about conversations or things that you want to bring up in conversation um, and that might make it a little bit easier. If you're feeling comfortable and brave enough, you could even question what they're talking about. So in this instance, this client of mine, she said that her mum and her auntie, so her mum's sister, usually go on about the diet and they make comments about the food that she's eating. You could ask them, question them, use what you're learning either through this podcast or if you're in the Body Resilient Mum project at the moment, use what you're learning and question them about their beliefs. Well, why do you think going on a diet will help with X, Y, Z? You know, can I ask, why do you think a smaller body is X, Y, Z? You can share the information with them. So you know that health doesn't come in one size, that being in a bigger body doesn't necessarily mean unhealthy. Therefore, ask them, you know, do you know, or, or tell them, do you know that my health is actually really good, that my blood pressure is this, and that you know, my cholesterol level is this, I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I don't think it's helpful to focus on the way that you look. Most of the time, people haven't thought about it in this way. Now, everyone's different and everyone will take this information differently. But if you think that it would be helpful to share with them, with people, then it could really open up a conversation and let people think about something in a very different way. Let them think about their health and their body and their relationship with their body in a very different way. Of course, you might not feel comfortable doing this at all. Maybe, maybe you haven't got that relationship with your family or your friends that you feel comfortable in questioning them or, or teaching them about the things that you've already learned, in which case you could actually just walk away. You could excuse yourself, you can walk away, maybe you're going to the bathroom, maybe you can just say you need a minute, you need a moment, or you can say, this makes me feel really uncomfortable, could we please talk about something else? So there are different things that you can do. What I don't encourage you to do is sit there and let these things sink in and make you feel bad. 
You can't control what other people think, you can't control what other people say, but you can control your own actions. So sitting there and letting yourself absorb it all is generally probably not going to make you feel very good. And then, I don't know, if you're someone like me, it builds up, it builds up, and generally it bursts out in a very unhelpful way <laughs> because you might make a comment that you later regret because it was very emotionally driven, um, or you'll take it home and stew on it, and that will also not make you feel good. So. You can control what you do, whether that's changing the conversation, whether that's walking away, whether it's questioning the people that you're with about their own attitudes towards their body or their attitudes towards what healthy means. Whatever it is that you choose to do, just make sure it's an action that you're taking rather than just taking on what other people are doing and trying to carry that because it's heavy and it doesn't make you feel good. And you know, this is all about taking control of your body image and improving your body image and being resilient. Like I said, we can't change the way other people think and feel and what they say and do. Therefore, we need to be resilient with our body image because these things are always going to come up. We can't control our external environment a lot of the time. So let's build our resiliency so that we can take it on, take action and keep working on our body image. The last question in this episode comes from one of my very close friends and she asked, what's the best approach for talking to my kids about healthy food and unhealthy food? My eight-year-old daughter has been asking whether or not every piece of food that she eats is healthy or unhealthy and giving black and white answers like yes or no doesn't feel right for me. Hmm, that's interesting, hey? It is so easy to talk to our kids about eating healthy food, you know, being healthy, eating healthy food, eat your veggies, it's healthy. Ooh, it's a tough one. Um, because what we then tend to say is that the chocolate or the chippies or the cake is unhealthy. But, you know, who wants to enjoy unhealthy food? When you sit down and eat it, if you've already labeled it as unhealthy or bad, or, you know, there's a negative connotation to it, are you really gonna feel good afterwards after you've eaten it? Probably not, you're going to feel guilty or as though you shouldn't eat it. What I do with my children, okay, we've talked about this already. Um, this is not saying that I'm the best parent in the world and I know all the, all the stuff and you should follow my parenting advice. Absolutely not. Um, I'm gonna share with you what I do. There is no right or wrong. This is simply what I do with my kids. Um, I try not to say that a single piece of food is healthy or unhealthy. So I try not to label it because when we label something like I've just said, we either really enjoy it and we feel good because we've done the good thing or we eat it and we, you know, if it's chocolate and we've labeled it as bad or unhealthy, we eat it and then we feel guilty or not great about eating it because it's, it wasn't the, the best choice. When it comes to labeling individual food, I think we should just try and avoid it because a healthy diet, you know, there is such thing as a healthy diet and an unhealthy diet, but I don't believe that there's such thing as a healthy food and an unhealthy food. It's not that black and white. So what I try to do is avoid labeling single foods and we'll look at a range of foods. So when, we talk, when I'm talking to my children, I'll talk about their diet as being a healthy diet because they've incorporated the veggies, the fruit, the carbs, the, tr uh, the chocolate, the sugary foods. So it's a range of things. What I do is try to think of it on a spectrum. So a piece of food like, oh, I don't know, let's say a piece of bacon um, is on a spectrum and it goes from nutritious to less nutritious. 
it doesn't go from good to bad or healthy to unhealthy because that's one piece of food. So I'll talk about food as being as being nutritious or less nutritious. And when my kids, you know, they'll ask for a chocolate bicky right before dinner. Ideally, like I don't want them to have that because I want them to fill up on the more nutritious food first before eating a chocolate bicky. So what I'll tell them is, well, dinner's nearly ready. You know, I want you to eat the more nutritious food first before you eat that less nutritious food because I want your tummy to be full of the more nutritious stuff. I want you to get as many nutrients as possible. Um, yes, they do eye roll and go, oh my God, she's off again. Um, but it tends to avoid that labeling then of food being good or bad. I definitely grew up when I was um, a child and a teenager and in my early 20s as labeling food as good or bad. You know, treats, um, meaning like chocolate and stuff were treats, when I tend to avoid that with my kids as well because, you know, treat means that it's something that's a, that's a one-off, that's something special and it puts, and it puts lots of, it gives it status. Um, and actually, I don't want those chocolates and the chippies and stuff to have that status. I just want it to be a normal part of their diet rather than something that's a one-off treat. It should be, you know, if they want some chocolate every day, then that's fine, as long as the balance is there. With the more nutritious food, the balance needs to be there with that less nutritious food. Um, I grew up in a time when there was definitely treats, when there was definitely good food and naughty food. And you think about like the weight loss companies had points. So, you know, like you'd have more points for, I don't know which way it was, whether it was like more points were bad or less points were good. I, I, I can't remember, but it was that good and bad thing, healthy versus unhealthy. Um, another word at the moment, the buzzword is clean, clean eating. And there's no such thing as dirty eating. That doesn't seem to be a buzzword. But when we talk about clean eating, we obviously then think about the opposite, which, which would be dirty eating. Um, so if something's clean, the stuff that isn't on that clean list is therefore not clean or is therefore wrong or is therefore unhealthy. I hope you see where I'm going with this, is that by labelling foods, whether you call it healthy, unhealthy, good, bad, clean, not clean, whatever it is, just gives it that label and I think we need to avoid that labeling of indiv individual foods look at your diet look at a general diet throughout four weeks like even a week isn't very realistic you know our diet can change very easily from one week to the next so when you think about someone's diet look at it over especially your children's look at it over four weeks you know how's their diet been over four weeks generally has it been made up of more nutritious food than the less nutritious food if it has great we've just been on holiday we went camping for a week and I absolutely ate more cheese and drank more wine than I would normally because we're on holiday and it's really nice to sit by the riverside and we had cheese and crackers and wine and it was delicious and I enjoyed every single mouthful but that wasn't my usual diet but I'm not going to say that I had I made bad food choices that week because overall my diet was made up of more nutritious food than less nutritious food so overall I'm not going to say that my you know that I was bad it was just part of a healthy a healthy lifestyle it was part of a healthy diet I feel like I'm repeating myself quite a lot here but I want to drill in to you how important it is not to label individual foods so what kind of language do we use with our children well we can start to ask them when they start to say as in this question was 
my daughter's asking if every single piece of food she eats is healthy or unhealthy. So I can, I can imagine this now. Is this carrot healthy or unhealthy? Is this potato healthy or unhealthy? Is this piece of chicken healthy or unhealthy? You know, like one, it can get really tiring. Two, um, the answers are not black and white. So you can't give a black or white answer. You can tell your children, well, we don't look at individual food. Let's look at your what we've eaten over the past four weeks. You know, we want to look at our food being on a scale from less nutritious to more nutritious. And it's really important to have a little bit of everything on that scale, including the less nutritious stuff. We want most of our food to be on this end of the scale, which is the more nutritious stuff. And we want a little bit of our food to come from the other end of the scale. And of course, there's going to be the food that sits somewhere in the middle as well. Hope that gives you some ideas on how to talk to your children about food choices and you know how we label our foods or how we how we don't want to label our foods um, and how we can start talking about nutrition without giving a very black and white answer if you've enjoyed what you've heard make sure you hit follow wherever you listen to your podcasts rate and review so that more mums can start to challenge societal norms when it comes to what their body should look like for further information on what I've covered in this episode or to connect with me in person, head to the link in the show notes. You'll also find the link to enroll in my online course, The Body Resilient Mum Project. Until next time, bye for now.